Jeff Levy talked tempo in his weekly media availability. We're going to talk about your biggest takeaways, answer some of your questions on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Also, go subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Trying to reach 3,000 subscribers before we get to Red River, so help us get there by hitting the subscribe button and the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday, from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norman. Josh, what's up, man? Did you have a great Labor Day? It was great. Yeah, no, uh, not a whole heck of a lot is up outside of just more, more reaction, more thinking about what we saw, the 45 to 13 season opening win. I did the uh, always fun task, John, of a rewatch Monday. So went and just kind of rewatched the whole game. So uh that, that's good. Kind of recollect the thoughts, get the juices flowing again. But no, nah, it's uh, it's been a good Labor Day. What about you, dude? Yeah, it was great. Went out and uh, played some golf with my dad. Uh, first time I've gotten to play golf with him in like three years. And I got to watch him hit a hole in one. So that was pretty incredible. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Part... Your dad hit a hole in one? Yep. For his first ever hole in one. The first time I've ever seen a hole in one, it was awesome, man. Par three uh, at Iron Horse there in North Richmond Hills, uh, just hits an eight iron. You know, takes a nice little bounce on the green. We watched, we hit, see the bounce, see another little bounce, and then it just rolls right into the hole. And it was, yeah, it was a commotion to be uh, to be had on on the fourteenth tee box. It was crazy. That's awesome! Wow, yeah. congrats yeah. to to your dad. That is uh, amazing. Yeah. So if you're on if you're on Twitter and you want to send him a little shout out, you can go do that at Pops Times Five, the, the X for the Times. Uh Pops Times Five. That's my dad. He yeah, it was awesome. It was a great day just to be out there playing golf with him. And hey, I had four pars. So, you know, I'm not great, but anytime I can hit a get a par, it's it's a pretty good day. So had a pretty nice day myself. But Josh, so just quick before we get into this levy talk, on your rewatch, was there anything that you saw that you viewed differently? the second time through for the Oklahoma Sooners? I don't know. I, I don't know that anything was just glaringly different. Probably a lot of kind of the sim- similar takeaways, reinforced takeaways with just how good Oklahoma was. I mean, just dominant in that first half uh, against the run. Obviously, a couple of negative plays mixed in there uh, really helped those numbers. But Reggie Grimes, again, I thought was just amazing in the game. I came away, I think even more impressed with what Oklahoma did with its running backs in this game. So Dylan Gabriel, again, I thought was very cool, calm, collected for a guy making his uh, first start. I, I, you know, what you said about maybe being a little too jacked up initially. I mean, the, the overthrow with Marvin Mims off the top of the game. I mean, there's probably some truth to that. So were there areas that he could have tightened up or connected on a couple of passes? Sure, but I just thought, in general, outside of a second quarter lull, I thought it was kind of exactly what we wanted from OU. 
that's always good to hear. You know, when you go back and you watch it again, having seen it the first time with your preconceived notions, it's nice to be able to say like, yes, those were, those were foundational. Those were right on what we saw is what we got. And I think that's going to be the truth for this Oklahoma Sooners team. Like it's not going to be a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors where you're, you're not really seeing it because you don't have the all 22 capability. The broadcast view is going to provide a lot of that because what Brent Venables wants to be is tough up front. And that's what you're going to get to see on the broadcast view is physical play along the offensive and defensive line. Let's talk about the offense. Jeff Levy met with the media on Monday and had a few things to say about tempo and in particular how he graded OU's uh, tempo. thought we were close. I thought from a tempo standpoint, we played pretty, pretty fast when, when we got the first first down. And that was, that was probably the most disappointing thing was the, the two, three and outs. Um, we've got to continue to clean up what we call our ball mechanics, making sure that the ball is getting back inside, not getting left on the, on the ground and getting left on the sideline, you know, and if we'll do those things to continue to clean it up, we'll be, be where we want to be. But I thought the guys, man, I, I thought they tried to play fast and, and did a good job operationally. And I think that's okay. Your first time out against another opponent in a game, a real game situation, you're not going to have it all right. It's not going to be perfect hundred percent. And I think that's an okay thing. Like, to have a 45 to 13 win and then be able to go to the film room and say, okay, here are the things that we need to clean up, especially the little things, the intricacies, if we're wanting to play really fast as a team. Yeah. Things that when we talk tempo, maybe have kind of slid under the radar, but just the simplistic nature of, Hey, you got to hand the football back off to the official, right? So he can get the, the ball set. You can get up, line up and, and go. So that portion of the tempo just for whatever reason, you know, I hadn't really registered with me, but thinking about that, obviously that's kind of what the ball mechanics is what Jeff Levy used the, the phrasing there to refer to it. So making that better for Oklahoma obviously would enhance their tempo a little bit. What were just sort of your general takeaways on tempo for Oklahoma? That first, those first couple of drives, Oklahoma was zooming, right? They were moving. And then kind of beyond that, and, you know, obviously you'd expect it to improve as we go. But beyond that, John, it didn't feel like warp speed to me or anything wildly different for Oklahoma. And again, they're probably going to continue to get faster and faster as we go here. But just kind of what did you make of what you saw from Oklahoma in the tempo regard? So I think Levy mentioned it there. You know, Getting the first down is key. If you don't get the first first down, it's hard to go fast especially like the first play of the game, the first play of the drive, if you don't get a good, you know, positive outcome on that, whether it's, you know, an efficient run four yards or more or a completed pass of four yards or more, it's hard to go fast. Um, when you have incomplete passes, it's hard to go fast. Negative, negative plays in the run game, it's hard to go fast. And so, you know, the first two drives, it worked out well because they were able to hit some big plays. They moved quickly down the field. The third drive, I mean, they got the big Gavin Freeman run, so they didn't have to play fast. That was the second play of that drive. And so it's really hard to judge their tempo. And then they had the two, three and outs after that. The final drive of the half, they're not playing fast because they're trying to use up as much clock as they can while also trying to score. And, and so I think there's a little bit, uh, a little bit to that there. And then in the second half, you know, they've got such a big lead. You don't necessarily want to play light speed, you know, get out there and just run three plays, take 10 seconds off the clock and then have to punt it. So it's, there's a little bit of balance. There's give and take to it. You want to play fast as a team, 
But there comes a time where you have to slow things down. There's going to be a time, and we'll get to this, I think, a little bit too with what Jeff Levy had to say about this. But there comes a time where you have to slow things down so that you're one, you're giving your defense a bit of a breather and you're grinding the game away. You're taking time off the clock so that you can salt away your lead and just win the game. If only public lip service, right, or in the media setting, Jeff Levy's saying the right things. He says the right things on that note right here, talking about, hey, th- there is a balance to this tempo game. Yeah, exactly. And and let's talk about what uh, Jeff Levy had to say as far as how it relates to Brent, what Brent Venables has to say about the tempo and how it fits into the team dynamic. Because it's important that not, offense isn't compartmentalized. It's part of the whole of the team. That's one of my favorite lines from Remember the Titans when uh, Coach Boone and Coach Yost are meeting in the stairwell and Coach Yost is like, I'm going to coach the defense, right? And Herman Boone's real quick to say, as part of the greater strategy for my team, it, it all works in harmony, one in the same. So that's what we'll talk about after I tell you about underdog fantasy. Man, I've been playing fantasy football for 20 years. It's been one of those things that I've just done every year. I played fantasy baseball, football, hockey, fantasy NBA. I've even played college fantasy football from time to time. Underdog fantasy is a great place to go to get your fantasy fix. They offer best ball drafts. If you haven't played best ball fantasy football, it's fantastic. It's the best part of fantasy, which is the drafting aspect. And then you just let your team sit there and accrue points. And they determine what your lineup is going to look like week to week based on who scores the best. If DeAndre Hopkins scores better than, you know, Hollywood Brown and they're both on your roster, they're going to slot DeAndre Hopkins in there. You don't have to set your lineup each week. Underdog takes care of that for you. And they've got great backing from a host of you know, high-level sports figures, including Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant. I know his name is Mud in Oklahoma circles, but he's got, you know, he's backed underdog as well. This is a great place to go play fantasy football. And if you use our promo code locked on, you can get a hundred dollars free if you deposit a hundred dollars. Again, they will double your first deposit using our promo code locked on up to $100 at underdogfantasy.com. I've been playing with Underdog Fantasy for a couple of years now, even before they decided to partner with the show and partner with us here on Locked On. It's a great place to play fantasy football. Quick drafts, you can get a draft done in minutes. You can get it, take your time and run slow drafts as well over at Underdog Fantasy. They've got a fantastic app with a great user interface. So easy to use, so easy to get signed up. Again, at underdogfantasy.com. Use our promo code locked on to get up to $100 matched by Underdog Fantasy at underdogfantasy.com. Okay, Josh, we're going to talk a little bit more about tempo and what Jeff Levy had to say about the inner workings of that tempo as in the greater construct of the football team. Time of possession, but I think you, it's all about feel too, and just understanding kind of how it's played out. Um, Coach V is going to be incredibly involved in that as well. You know, if, if he feels that we, we need to slow down, or if there's something where we need to take a break in the action, obviously he's going to say it, and I'm going to do it. Uh, it didn't get to that point on on Saturday, but there's always communication between all of us to make sure that man, we're putting the football team in the right position to go be successful. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we just spoke to a little bit is that it, it's part of a whole. It's part of the greater whole. You know, if if the defense is having to be out there for, you know, 10 play, 12 play drive, you know, the offense might want to go slow the next drive. Like they might not want to get up there and, you know, take a minute off the clock and then put the defense back on the field. What was your kind of big takeaway from what Levy had to say there? 
I like that he said Brent Venables has the final say. It's obvious, right? The head football coach, if he says, hey, you're slowing the heck down, then Jeff Levy, you're slowing the heck down. Or if he says, hey, speed it up, let's go. Let's let's crank it up a notch. Crank it up a notch. So I thought that was positive just to kind of hear that public cohesion from Jeff Levy with Brent Venables, right? You need that sort of alignment, and Oklahoma clearly has that. And, you know, Jeff Levy, look, he gets it. It can't just always be, hey, let's uh, let's hop on the jet and, you know, hyperspeed out of here. Sometimes you do need to lean on the run game a little bit, chew and milk some clock, and that's okay. And that's okay to have that kind of balance within this, I think, is good. And we saw kind of, I think, a little bit of a glimpse of that, not necessarily by – design all the time I don't think in week one versus UTEP but I I do think you saw a little bit of that from Oklahoma and we'll see kind of what that looks like going forward I think it's going to be one of the fascinating stories not just of this season John but if Jeff Levy is you know if things go the way that you I Oklahoma fans would hope if Jeff Levy's around here for more than just one season or for a couple of seasons then we're going to see kind of how this grows for Oklahoma what does all of this tempo look like for OU. Yeah, it's going to be a work in progress. This isn't something that's going to be 100% perfect game one or even game two. Do we expect them to be a little bit better against Kent State? Sure, because it's their second time to run through this offense in real life game situations, but it's still going to be a work in progress. I mean, good. the good news is they've got the talent, they've got the capability, they've got the execution part of just running the plays right. Now, if they're able to improve on the little intricacies of what we talked about, the ball mechanics, that'll help. That'll make everything work a little bit better. Again, if they execute more efficiently and don't have the three and outs, that'll let them run more tempo and run at a faster pace as well. Hey, we've got your reactions to this game that we want to touch on as well. We got them from Twitter. We got them from you on YouTube. And uh, so let's talk about them. So Michael at Michael Cohea 16, he says the intensity and confidence in what they were doing is what stuck with me. Regardless of how people felt about the secondary or second quarter offense, the kids didn't seem unsure. Seen too much of that in the last regime. The kids did amazing in that heat and in the debut together. And I think that's an underrated aspect of that too. Just the, the temperature on the field. They didn't look like they were tiring out. No, they didn't. They stayed strong and obviously were the better team in the second half, which you talk about playing 60 minutes of great championship level football. And that was kind of the weakness for Oklahoma. Certainly one of the Achilles heels is that Oklahoma was gettable, right? You know, I will say this though, if there was one thing to be alarmed about to some degree for Oklahoma, I can't totally shake that they jumped out all of that energy, 21 to nothing, and then had that poor second quarter. Now, I'm encouraged by what happened in the second half. I'm just saying that here we're talking about over and over and over again, everything that's new and great and different with Oklahoma. That was similar from Oklahoma. That's kind of one of the things that Oklahoma has been fighting. Now, the second half, again, was, I thought, much better in that regard. And to the Schmitty conversation and handling the heat, which, yeah, it was not – It was not a fun day, right, to be playing football in the third and fourth quarter, but Oklahoma handled that aspect well. So kind of, I guess the best way to just in summation there, John, say it is mixed results in that portion uh, of the conversation for me. 
I like that they didn't let it linger. You know, they had the two, three and outs. The defense wasn't getting stops, but the offense had that final drive to get the touchdown before halftime. And then when it looked like UTEP was getting in position to potentially kick another field goal, Reggie Grimes and the defense stepped up and knocked him out of field goal position. So it's like, it, it, it's kind of similar to what it was in the past. And yet the team kind of rallied to finish the quarter strong so that they had some positive momentum going into halftime. And I, I'm sure it was a, a conversation piece. It's like, Hey guys, you kind of let down a little bit. Like we didn't play with the same intensity for the first half of the second quarter that we played with in, during the first quarter. And I'm sure that's going to be a discussion point this week as they prepare for Kent state. It's you've got to do everything at max intensity for 60 minutes. You can't let down because against a better team, those 10 points that UTEP scored, maybe that's 21 points instead. And you're tied up going into halftime all of a sudden. So it's a, it's a much different thing. What did you think just about what uh, Michael had to say about just the confidence that this team played with? Similar to what we talked about, I think just immediate reactions to the game. I do, or I'm starting to see the development. And I think we hear Oklahoma say this now talk is cheap, right? Show me, but there's something too, I think a little bit, the way Oklahoma has sounded confident collectively defensively. And then they went out and I think are starting to back that up. I do see a more confident tackling team. I'm again, it's one week, it's four quarters against the UTEP team that is not very good. I don't care that they were seven and six a season ago, but I see a team that believes John or is starting to believe, you know what? Coach Venables is right. Coach Chavis He's right. Coach Valai, Coach Hall, they're right. Coach Roof, Coach Bates, they're right. We can be great. We play at the University of Oklahoma. And I don't know, you know, as much as maybe in bits and pieces, Oklahoma has said that over the last decade. I don't know how often always Oklahoma believed that. But I, I did start to see that beginning to develop and turn and foster in the direction that everybody wants it to see, which is again, championship level defense, right? I'm not saying we got championship level defense versus UTEP, but I'm starting to see some of the, the, the makings, the origins of that. Yeah. And the belief, you know, the belief is an, an important aspect of that. You can't do it until you believe you can do it. And I think they've got this team believing they can be great. Now it's just going to come down to actually putting that on the field. Uh, and, there were other people that asked about the confidence level as well, but sooner Shannon had this, he said, there just seemed to be an excitement and a camaraderie um, that he didn't realize really was missing. It's as if Stoops' statement that not one person is bigger than the program kind of came to life on the football field. Yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of larger than just the results on the football field. This program John, it just feels like it was missing something. It was missing the juice, right? You got to feed the monster. And for whatever reason, this thing, and really a lot of people don't want to say this or won't say this, John. It lost a little bit of its juice toward the end of the Bob Stoops era. And it's kind of been needing a jump start. I think just, just a, across the board. The end of the Bob Stoops era, you got Baker Mayfield, so that started to you know shift things back in a positive direction, but not the way it's going right now with recruiting the the way that it's going with just the the complete top to bottom vision of Brent Venables. It's something was missing, and I think it's Brent Venables in this staff, 
And in the fan base, right? I mean, the fan base was like needed that kind of kick in the you know what. And Brent Vittables in this staff, I think, has given that to them. And then obviously the way the previous staff left, I think just kind of all of that, you, you know, you put it into the bowl, you stir it up, and wow, what a what a wonderful dessert Oklahoma fans are enjoying all of a sudden. Well, it's like we talked about in the past with Brent Venables. He's just a more inspirational leader than Lincoln Riley was. Like Lincoln Riley's a good coach, but he wasn't the the kind of the rah-rah guy, like gonna inspire you to believe in this program and this team. He's going to, I don't know, he's kind of just very like understated, aw shucks, like not gonna you know, get very boisterous about anything. And that can be a good thing too. I'm not saying that that's not a, not a bad thing, but I think for what Oklahoma needs, like they needed a, a Barry Switzer type, you know, an early Bob Stoops type, someone that's going to really rally the fan base. I mean, Bob Stoops, so, you know, in the early part of the 2010s, what was kind of the big rallying cry for the big 12? We're, we're just as good as the sec. And who was leading that March? It was Bob Stoops. Like, and, and it made it helped the Big 12 believe that, yeah, we're on the same playing field as the SEC, whether that was the reality or not. You had somebody out there leading the charge. And I think Brett Venables is that guy leading the charge for Oklahoma now that's saying we're Oklahoma. You know, I love the line that we're, we we're not, we play second fiddle to no one, you know, like we're trying to go from good to great. And I think I think his ability to inspire is the biggest difference from the previous regime to now. And it, and it takes on this holistic view of the program or holistic approach to the program, inspiring coaches to be great, inspiring players to be great, inspiring, you know, the support staff and the administration office to be great and the fans to be great as well. You know, calling the fans to respond and be a part of making Oklahoma football, the once proud program or the proud program it once was you know, back to national championship level status. And I think that's the huge difference. Why we're seeing a team that has such huge camaraderie because they're inspired to have that and to have this confidence, otherworldly confidence as Miguel Chavis likes to talk about. And, you know, this desire to be great. I think it, it starts at the top and it starts with Brent Venables and his ability to just help people to believe in the vision and believe in becoming more than maybe what they thought they could be themselves. So I think that was just a great, a great point from Shannon there. Uh, Ghost of Tailgater, this is at blip underscore blip underscore bloop. Uh, he says six sacks seems like pretty good production against a team who is often keeping seven blockers in for max protection. How well do you think the interior defensive line played? They should see more opportunities when BV starts playing more press coverage in the secondary, right? Josh, I'll let you answer that first. I thought it was a good debut. Uh, you know, six sacks is obviously solid. I thought Reggie Grimes was amazing uh, in this game. I thought he was the best player for Oklahoma in the game. Definitely defensively, he was with his two and a half sacks. Uh, though Danny Stutzman did some some nice things and Billy Bowman did some nice things as well. I, I don't know. I mean, I, what do you think? I guess it was sort of what I expected. I, I don't want to be... Debbie Downer on the deal. I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't totally wowed start to finish though. I mean, they were great against the run, really, really good against the run. Yeah. The interior defensive line held up like they held up at the point of attack against the run. 
part of the reason that you were so good and you were able to help hold UTEP two negative rushing yards was because the interior defensive line played so stout and they were good as pass rushers too. Jalen Redmond had three total pressures, according to pro football focus to tie with Reggie Grimes for the team lead. Uh, Isaiah Coe, he had two total pressures, Kevin Gil- Kelvin Gilliam. He had a pressure. So, you know, your interior defensive line accounted for six pressures on the day. Now they didn't get a sack, but that's okay. Like pressure, can often lead to negative plays, whether it creates a sack or not. Pressure can lead to somebody else getting a sack. Pressure can lead to a bad throw, uh, you know, a turnover play. And so the fact that these guys are getting pressure, it's good. What's going to happen as teams start to take notice of Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs, it's going to open things up in the middle of the offensive line because because you're going to have to start accounting for the guys on the edge, which means that Jalen Redmond is going to get more opportunities and with one-on-one blockers. He may not get or may not have to you know, deal with a running back who's there to pass protect as well. So I think we're going to see more production from the interior defensive line as things go along, and especially as they figure out that rotation a little bit better. You know, it's the game one, two, and, and we know that there's still some competition happening amongst the top four on the interior defensive line. So I think as they kind of figure out how they're going to rotate those guys and, and play them, I think that'll help to help those guys be more productive as well. Again, game one, you know, it's been a long off season. It was a hot day. And if you're, you know, 290, 300 pounds, you're probably feeling that a lot, a lot more significantly than a guy like Billy Bowman, who's, you know, 200 to 205, something like that. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut the interior defensive line guys a little bit of slack because one, they're doing a lot of the dirty work on the run game that are, that may not accumulate a lot of stats. They did provide some pressure stats in the, on the pass rush. And I think it's going to get better. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, again, I don't know that Oklahoma this season at any point is going to have the Brian Brisey type of the world, but if collectively they can just kind of deliver sort of what they did in this game versus UTEP, we're going to be really, really pleased, right, with what Oklahoma's got in that regard because, again, you hold an opponent under a yard per carry, uh, under under a yard average per carry, that's a phenomenal stat. Yeah. And I think that just goes to, to the whole, the, the defense played as a unit, they played as a whole and it was solid. Uh, one more final you know, fan reaction. There was several more that we couldn't really get to in this episode, but we'll talk more about it uh, as we go through the week. But uh, Daniel Allen is over on YouTube. He says tackling. That's what I wanted to see. And he says, Billy Bowman is a bad Dude, he's a bad man pajama. And I think so. Like Billy Bowman, man, he showed up. His first start at safety. I feel like he he jumped off the screen several times with his tackling, his range, just his ability to move from sideline to sideline uh, and be where he needed to be. I mean, playing safety kind of the first time as a full-time safety, knowing where you're supposed to be, that can be a tricky spot because sometimes you're dropping into the box and you're playing zone there. Sometimes you're going to have to play deep safety. Sometimes you're playing, man, there's a lot of, a lot of responsibilities that the safety's uh, responsible for. And I felt like he played really, really well. He tied right for the team lead in, in tackles with nine with Stutzman and uh, obviously was involved in some pass breakup situations. So again, I, I think there's three guys you look at for Oklahoma that are, sort of no-brainer, these guys played the best defensively. And again, as I've said a couple of times, it's uh, Grimes, it's Stutzman, and it's Bowman easily in the secondary was the most impactful player for Oklahoma with, uh, you know, one game in the books. And that fits right on cue with what we've heard, that Billy Bowman, 
was going to be one of the stars of this defense. So I loved what we saw. It's exciting. It, uh, it should happen, right? It should happen for Bowman or one of these guys back there that's, that's younger, that's talented, blue chip type kid comes in and boom, now the, now the light bulb really is starting to come on for him. Saw some playing time a year ago, but now it's okay. You're one of the starting pieces on this Oklahoma defense. And he looks like a starting piece on this Oklahoma defense and potentially John looks like kind of one of Oklahoma's maybe next stars. Yeah. And I guess we can thank Alex Grinch a little bit for getting him on the field as a freshman, at least getting him some experience and playing time so we can learn uh, through some of the struggles that he had. And he, he got better towards the end of the season. So I, I agree with you. I think Billy Bowman's going to be a star for this team, how good he can be. I think we're just kind of scratching the surface right now. And there are several other players that we really haven't a chance, had a chance to talk about um, on the defensive side of the football that I think had really, really good games that I, we're going to have to touch on more, just kind of final takes and news and notes in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you're available and you're around and you're subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Also go check out the show over on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Again, we're trying to get the 3000 subscribers by the red river showdown. Make sure that we are coming in full force uh, for Texas week. We're, we're looking forward to that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.